Welcome to another Youth Centered Podcast. We've been off for a few weeks. It's been a crazy fall here at the Youth Center, but we're back full at it. Um, we've got a few more that we're going to do in December, and then we'll be back full time in January. As you know, we like to try to do one a week. I'm very excited. This is one we've been trying to put together um, for a little while now. Um, I'm really lucky here to have uh, North Amber Middle School uh, teacher, Pat McGravy, who's come on today to talk about his amazing civics program. And we're also going to touch in on a few other things, but the focus will be this great civics program, which I had the um, the pleasure of actually being one of the guest speakers of. So first of all, Pat, thanks for coming on the Youth Centered Podcast. Great to be here, Rick. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Pat, what we like to do at first is um, you are pretty known uh, to parents in the, in the middle school area, um, but there are a lot of people that may not know you, um, and it's going to be some of our listeners that probably uh, their kids had you many years mm -hmm. ago. So if you could just give us a little bio, a bio of who, who Pat is. Sure. So um, Pat McGravy, and um, I actually was born in North Andover. Um, went to the North Andover Public Schools through middle school, and then I went to Central uh, I've been teaching in uh, North Andover, eighth grade, uh, pretty much since, I believe, 1996. I came on as a substitute, and then 97. So I've been here 20-plus uh, years at NAMS, teaching eighth grade for my entire career. Uh, in terms of a little bit besides me being a teacher at NAMS, uh, I'm married. Uh, I have two sons, Bennett and Xander. Uh, Bennett is in the fifth grade, and Xander is in the third grade. Uh, I live in Melrose, Massachusetts. Obviously, I'm passionate about history and civics, but uh, I'm also a you know huge music fan. I try. To, I still, even with kids, try to go to as many concerts as I can. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm definitely uh, in, in, into music, uh, and uh, it's a little bit about me. Awesome. Well, again, thanks for coming on. So we've got a bunch of questions that we want to get right into this civics program, and I'm hoping you could actually. You know, off air, we talked a little bit about social studies teaching and, you know, kind of some past disciplines of it. And you've brought this creative, what I call innovative uh, civics program. So if you can start to just tell us how it all came about, what, how did it, the vision for it, and then take us through a little bit how about the first, uh, you know, year or two that's been of. Great. So it all started uh, about two years ago when the Massachusetts history frameworks changed. Um, previously, eighth grade, uh, we were teaching U.S. History one, which was from the colonies till the Civil War. That's what I've been doing predominantly for my career, with a little bit of civics sprinkled in. Um, the frameworks did change, and they decided to go all civics uh, for the entire eighth grade year. And that was actually combined with a civics bill that Governor Baker signed into law, I believe, last spring, that kind of piggybacked off of the frameworks and said not only would eighth grade do civics for the year, um, it, was, it was mandated in all public schools, but the other part of it was at the end of the year, uh, all eighth graders in the Commonwealth would have to do a civics action project in a team or group. And um, so th that's what kind of, that's how it kind of began. And I knew it was coming and this is mandated uh, fall of 2020 is when this is all supposed to go down. Um, so last year, to be proactive, the Department of... Not the, to interrupt yeah. you, but can you... It was interesting when I first came on to be one of your uh, your guests this year. Um, I actually had to go back and look at the definition of civics. You know, obviously I grew up, I'm a lot older than you, but, you know, 
U.S. history, world mm-hmm. history, that yep. type of thing. Define civics for me. So to me, uh, civics is the study of government, but I believe it should be taken a step further. It should be the study and application of civics, of government. In other words, we want our students to not only be citizens, we want them to be engaged citizens and not necessarily one that run for political office or anything like that, but people who know the process. Um, Unfortunately, uh, I think we're in a state right now where there are quite a few people that don't know how civics and how our government works. So I believe that the definition of civics now is, is not only the study of government, but I think that verb or that process of application is huge. That's my definition. Awesome. Great. Continue. So uh, the state decided to get all the eight, as many eighth grade teachers they could in a room um, last year just for us to kind of un, uh, what you would call unpack the frameworks. And we looked at them and broke them down into units. And uh, while at the same time, the state said, look, I know this is a huge change for eighth grade and we have some resources for you. We have three companies or three organizations that are here and they have already created a civics curriculum, soup to nuts, everything, all the frameworks covered. And we're going to have them do some presentations for you just to kind of feel out. We as the state believe or as the as DESI, we believe that these three are cutting edge. So one was iCivics, which is predominantly online, um, which uh, Sandra Day O'Connor founded. Um, And uh, the other one um, was uh, the Democratic Knowledge Project, which was which was a think tank out of Harvard University, the Safra Ethics Center, so many think tanks there. And uh, I immediately connected with them last fall. And the first meeting, ironically, uh, was uh, at North Hanover High School. So there were so many people in a room. And I ended up talking to this gentleman um, named Michael Blau, who is the curriculum director. And him and I started talking. We exchanged emails. Um, I met him a couple more times at a few more of the meetings. Uh, To make a long story short, um, they were looking, they were only piloting in the public schools in Cambridge in 2018, 2019. And 2019, they were looking to branch out, and they were mainly doing Boston, um, Newton, Cambridge, you know, Boston Public Schools. And I, you know, kind of being an outgoing person, said, "Well, did you ever think of uh, possibly doing the Merrimack Valley?" And he kind of looked at me, and he first of all didn't know where the Merrimack Valley was, <laughs> which you know wasn't a good sign. And so then he goes, "Well, I really think we're trying to stick to Boston." And then something happened where he sent me another email and said, "Well, we're having an information session." Um, in May on a Saturday at Harvard. We're going to pitch what Cambridge has done and we're looking for people to sign up to commit to a one-year pilot where you would pilot with your team of teachers. So I went to the meeting. Uh, I saw the student work. I was wowed. I, I, I could not believe what I was seeing. So then I had to go from selling to Harvard to selling to North Hanover Public Schools because what I had to pitch was yeah, so I want to pilot a year early because 2020 is when we're supposed to start. And I will be the only one in the school. So three eighth grade teams, I will be the only one doing it. The other two teams, you know, would do the traditional, what they're supposed to do. And then I would kind of pilot. So I, I pitched it to my my boss, George Gonsalves, and the head of humanities, Kristen Ando, K through 12. And um, we had a couple meetings back and forth. We had some great dialogue and um, they were like, get some more information about it. So uh, George and I uh, met in Cambridge. George was great enough to drive there in July. 
We met with the Democratic Knowledge Project. They pitched it. George thought it sounded amazing. We sent it to Kristen. Kristen then went to Dr. Gilligan and, and, and um, Lorraine Marks, the assistant superintendent, and they gave me the green light. Uh, so I found out probably the beginning of August that I would be piloting this civics program. So the process of me actually getting it approved was kind of like my, I'm thinking this year, the kids have to do a civics action project. This is kind of my civics action project, sure. bringing this to North Andover and hopefully keeping it and letting it move into the future. So that's the kind of journey of how I got here. So this is actually the first year you've put it into place. Correct. This okay. is the first year. Um, I've only done civics sprinkled. Yep. Um, so the Democratic Knowledge Project uh, has, uh, I believe, seven or eight curriculum units that I do throughout the year. And they cover all the frameworks. It's as a history or a social studies or civics teacher, it's it's a spiral curriculum, so it's not necessarily chronological. It's all thematic. So if you're used to doing things chronologically, it's a little bit thinking outside the box. But the engagement and the role play uh, of what you're getting from the lessons has been amazing. Uh, it's also been to me you know, 20 plus years in, it's been so freeing to take, a lot of people think I'm crazy, but to take all my lessons and figuratively throw them out the window and start as like a first year teacher um, has been so exciting. I mean, I'm only like a day or two ahead of the kids and I'm testing out everything and it's a pilot. So there's not as much pressure. It's, I'm a year ahead of the game. So, you know, the whole process has, has been very liberating for me. Well, for me as an outsider watching it, and we're going to get into the response right away, but um, your passion for this is is unrivaled. Um, and it's refreshing for me because one of my things is never rest on your laurels yeah. and, um, and not to uh, criticize any of our educators that are kind of stuck with just doing their thing year to year. I love the fact that you're willing to almost throw things out the window and start uh, because my day there, I saw an engaged group of kids. I spoke at two different groups and they were really into it and, you know, nobody was falling asleep. Um, yeah. And, you know, as a speaker, you wonder if they were going to fall asleep. But, um, you know, it was really positive. So tell me a little bit, what's the response been from everybody, administrators, so, parents I'll, and students? I'll, I'll tell you everything. So. Unfortunately, I don't want to use the word unfortunately, but the first unit is so outside the box. It is called um, Identity, Values, and Agency. And it's a series of lessons where the kids really start thinking about their own identity and their own values. So it starts out with, what's your name? What, is the, what does your name mean about you? How'd you get your name? And then it goes into values. And... Um, it's great because the kids are really finding themselves. And I think from a person from the outside, they're thinking, oh, what's this, you know, hippy dippy identity Harvard stuff? You know, why are you? St but, but I believe Harvard when the kids have the identity and the values. And then when you get into the real stuff, they have so much more of a frame of reference. And, you know, and they've gone through some growth and they, they talk about their identity. And, and I think it's exciting. The other thing about the first unit is we do talk um, about things like privilege. Um, we talk about stereotyping. 
we talk about racism, we talk about discrimination, we talk about uh, inequities of wealth. Um, so for me, uh, you know, I had to be very, very careful about how we went about it. And Harvard's mantra, and you wouldn't think this because Harvard has this left-wing reputation, is nonpartisan, nonpartisan, nonpartisan. So straight out of the box, from my weekly emails or to when I met with parents, I had to stress that this was nonpartisan. And part of me was a little nervous because what happens if a parent complains? Sure. Now, I have not had one single parent complain. I've had a couple parents question and they make assumptions and I believe, and part of the civics discourse in the first unit is having a civilized dialogue. So as a teacher, when someone says, well, what are you teaching my kid? Instead of getting defensive, I embrace them. And we talk, and I, I had a couple conversations with a couple parents and they were relieved and um, it was great. It, 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 was, it was so cool to just kind of have a conversation with someone who, I don't care if they're Republican or Democrat or whatever, they're, they're questioning it. So from the parents, let's just talk from the parents. Um, the parents have been amazing. Um, I'm getting, you know, I do a weekly, a weekly McGravy memo. I'm, I'm getting so many uh, emails from parents. Uh, people out in the community have been definitely saying things to me. Um, I, I've got a few that have questioned, but you know, I, I, I'm very, it's funny when I see George or when I see Dr. Gilligan or when I see the guidance counselor, I'm, I say, have there been any complaints? Have there been, you know, I'm just, I, I just want to make sure it all goes well. So I think the parents really like it. And I think why the parents like it, the number one thing that parents are telling me is they're saying for the first time in a very long time in the relationship with my kids, they're coming home and they're talking about what they did in school. Wow. And so for me, you know, as a parent, I know that my children really don't talk about something unless it's, it's great. Um, so that's been great. Uh, administration, Cheryl Romando, Steve Wrigley, uh, and George uh, Gonsalve, uh, they've been amazing. They've been amazing. They've been so supportive. They've been so encouraging. Um, it's, it's great. It's great. And then I think the most important uh, critics or judges are the kids. Sure. And to me, um, I, I've just seen a lot of engagement. I haven't seen um, a lot of misbehavior. And the thing I love about the Harvard curriculum is it's not just this A-plus kid that's responding to it. It's kids on IEPs. It's kids on 504s. It's the kids in the social and emotional program. Um, the success that they're having. And I think the evidence that really validated everything for me is the end of the identity unit, they have to do an identity project, um, which is a pretty thorough project. It's a very long project. And um, what do I have 124 students? As of Thursday, every single kid turned one in. I think that's the first time I've ever had a 100% turn in. Wow. And I'm talking kids that are on a fourth grade level, kids with social and emotional issues. So I think, and, and you know, kids don't really, they don't really say to you, oh, I love that lesson, I love that. It's kind of not cool to do that. But I, I, I'm hearing from parents and I'm hearing from different people that 
the kids do seem to to really really enjoy it so i'm gonna keep keep doing it so. yeah i mean the, the overall and again as an outsider um and my first connection with it was obviously being asked to come and speak but uh rave reviews from everybody i've talked to i got to meet your actually in-laws were there the day yeah. that uh that i was there also but just the way teachers were talking about it because in in this when i did speak you had other teachers there which was great you yes. know kind of seeing how the whole thing goes and to your point I, i'm i'm all about in, inclusiveness and when I looked around the room you had all types of kids and yep. they were all engaged and some of the questions for me were from all types of kids yep. so you could it wasn't like just one group of high achieving kids asking me questions it was no. everything across the board which was great so take me through you know what happens after this identity unit all the way up to the civics action project so it's and I also just want to say uh, quickly, Harvard, the Democratic Knowledge Project is so supportive. So what I do is not only am I, I'm not really alone. Um, it's almost like when I was a student teacher, we have a supervisor and there are three of us, I believe, uh, I think, Ma not Masco, Triton is the other school. So we meet, it's called a pod. Right. So we meet every other week to talk about all of these things. So it's this huge community. And then once every couple months, we all meet at Harvard. But probably one of the coolest things to support is the people who write the curriculum, I have direct access to their emails. So for the first time in my career, the people who are writing the curriculum, like you you email them and they email you back. Right. And they, you know, and they take your suggestions and, you know, they take criticism very well. And, you know, a quick example was, you know, they put a Doonesbury cartoon in something. And, and, you know, you needed a college degree to figure the thing out. So I told them, I'm like, this is not working. And they were, they were very, very receptive to that. Mm. So I'm, so by the way, Harvard and the Democratic Knowledge Project are not charging us anything for this. Oh, um, the, the, all these resources are free. So every single lesson, all the professional development that I'm getting, that I'm trying to bring out to my colleagues, totally free. So when I met the guy from the Harvard Think Tank the yes. day I was there, I mean, this did, that, didn't, that didn't cost the school system anything. That was just part of the program. The speakers? Yeah. So, no, no. When he came. Oh yeah, day, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so he just came, and um, which was great in terms of the curriculum. So I just started Unit Two, which is called How to Write a Constitution. And again, it's really thinking outside the box. Um, it starts off talking about the colonists and grievances and complaints against the government. And they want the kids to internalize this. Mm. So without getting too into specifics, I gave them a fake pop quiz, which was an unfair pop quiz. I told them it was gonna count as 100 points or whatever. And I kind of had to play the role and they were getting so angry and they were getting so mad. And then they complained. And then they talked about boycotting and refusing to take it. So when they learn about the colonists doing the same thing, they, they've lived it, sure. they've lived it. So how to write a constitution is we're putting the kids in the shoes of the founding fathers. So before we read the Declaration of Independence, the kids write a Declaration of Independence. So that allows them to have that frame of reference where they're going to say, oh, now I understand this. And basically, Unit 2 continues with the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and kind of like a blueprint of what we're learning. And then the other units go into 
you know, freedoms, Supreme Court cases, um, how a bill becomes a law, uh, the three branches of government, impeachment. Um, so probably between now and March, I'm going to be all in with government. Uh, but again, like I said, it's a life skills course. It's a life skills course. Sure. How will you use this in your life? It's not just isolated experiences. Once we get through that, around April, we, we start coming back to being a civic agent in identity. And they pick an issue that they're really passionate about. And we begin talking about writing editorials and how editorials work. And I'm working with the new librarian, Miss Roosh, who's fantastic. And the kids are going to write editorials, and then we're going to translate that editorial to a civics action project. And one of the reasons why I brought you in as a speaker is I am kind of setting the stage and setting it all up where I'm having, I think we're going to go on our fifth one, civics in action speakers. So what I'm doing is I'm inviting people like yourself and politicians to come into the kids and model what how does civics work how do you like like what's the real deal with civics and talking about their own civics action projects and uh, the democratic knowledge project has these 10 questions that kids are supposed to apply and i had everyone kind of apply it and with yours uh, you know you getting the youth center built that was a civics action project sure the town the town manager um melissa uh, she talked about in Sudbury and how Sudbury had to decide whether or not to buy a campground and have the town run the camp for sentimental reasons. Um, so State Representative um, Trom Wynn came in, State Representative Christina Minacucci, uh, former uh, town manager, town, town manager uh, Andrew Mailer came in. Uh, all these people are coming in and, and the kids are learning so much. They don't know they're learning, but they are. And then what's gonna happen is once spring comes, hopefully they will have had the blueprint of success. And I, I think it's important that people talk about their failures. Um, I think that's really important. When the town moderator, Mark DeSalvo came in, he talked about first time running for office and, and uh, sorry, that was Mr. Mailer, I apologize. Mr. Mailer talked about losing, talked about losing his first election. Sure. So I think it's important. So. Again, the Civics Action Project it, it, it is going to happen. It's going to be grouped. Uh, the kids are going to be in groups. It's it's going to be a pilot. So I'm going to make it very loose on purpose. I don't want to make it. I don't want kids to feel pressure. It's going to be like a Civics Action Project light a little bit, just because it's just the first year. And every year, I think it's going to get bigger and better. So uh, so that's pretty much that encapsulates kind of what I think. Sure. The year is going to be. But as I said, I am only a couple of days ahead of the kids. So that's kind of where I'm living right yeah, now. But I, but I like it. Um, the speakers, um, <clears throat> you, you mentioned myself and other people that come. What's the reaction? You've given us some feedback. But what yeah. would you from, uh, you know, after we leave and that's when they're really honest and say, oh, you know, I got something out of it. I didn't get something out of it. What's the reaction? So the reaction from the kids is um, the first one was very tight. So it was very structured. And it was almost like the traditional, almost like 1950s, 60s. Hey, kids, politicians going to come in and talk to you. And they're mm -hmm. going to talk to you and talk to you and talk to you. So the kids gave me feedback and they were like, so we want more opportunity to ask questions. Sure. We want more opportunity to be engaged. So I'm taking all of their uh, criticisms 
and I'm applying them and each one is getting better and better. But I think the, the reaction from the kids, I think has been, has been great. They love it, but they're also, and I'm not saying politicians aren't humans, but sure. they're humanizing politicians. <clears throat> when they're posing for selfies with state representatives, like, I'm going to be honest with you. When I was in eighth grade, I didn't know who my state representative was. So we're, we're bringing it to them. You know, the kids learning the story of the youth center, like, like that's something they go to. You had them raise their hands and like the whole room said they had been here. They had no idea about this place. So that was such an aha moment. And again, what it's doing is it's personalizing it for them. And probably a really exciting one that I'm going to be having uh, on, fr on a week from today is one of my former students is coming in. And um, Caitlin Parks is her name. And she is an intern for Congressman Seth Moulton going to American University. Sure. So this is a kid in my class that... Um, I think is going to be amazing. I think I, I'm going to be so interested to see what the kids, how the kids react because she's only 18 years old. Yeah. And then um, a city councilor at large from Methuen, um, uh, I think Mr. Hamilton, who's friends with Caitlin, he was elected to the Methuen um, councilor at large at the age of 18. Yeah, he's young. Yeah. He's so yeah. young. So he's going to come in and talk to the kids. And the, and the, probably one of the best ones that we did is obviously that heart. They talk about the Harvard connection. Well, I, I, you know, I am seeing the Harvard connection a little bit and it's benefiting my kids. The Harvard Constitution Association, which is law students at Harvard, um, they came in to my class. I had six Harvard law students teach my kids how to debate using the Tinker case. That's incredible. <laughs> and the kids... And again, I, you know, I have to say, I didn't have to be in the room. I felt like a third wheel because it was this mutual admiration society. The, the, the eighth graders thought this was going to be boring and lame. And they were like, this is amazing. And the Harvard Law students were like, this is going to be painful. It's community service for them. So right. they kind of have to be here. It was a love fest. I mean, I couldn't believe how much they loved it and how much they got out of it to the point where um, they are going to send uh, 12 Harvard Law students in the spring to wow. come. And we're going to, so again, you can't get any better than learning about constitutional law from a Harvard Law. Nothing better than that. I mean, I mean, come on. I mean, it's crazy. And all it was was an email. All it was was it started off with an innocent email and then it turned into, you know, a phone call. And then they were supposed to stay for an hour. And they're like, we want to stay after lunch. So now it's turning into they're coming back. See, this is what's exciting to me is, you know, I, I didn't thrive with teachers that just lectured me all day. And, you know, I don't know if I was paying attention the way I yeah. should have been paying attention. But you're bringing people in that kids can actually relate to. And, yeah. um, you know, obviously everybody's actually really enjoying it. I, you know, when I was there with... Um, with uh, a couple of the speakers, the way that they talked about their experience. So I was in the afternoon speaker, yep. so I spoke to our two reps uh, in the morning, and they were just raving about what the experience was like for them. It wasn't just like, oh, I got to go talk to the middle school right. kids. They were talking about it. Um, and, you know, obviously the moderator and myself in the afternoon, we just left there saying, well, this was, this was a great time that we had. 
Uh, obviously, the program, I think, is amazing, and I'm hoping this is going to continue and evolve. So one of the best things I like about it is it's evolving. You're only one step ahead of the kids. Um, yeah, barely. And this <laughs> civics program might even look totally different next year. It could. Um, and, but your passion is something I'm very impressed with. Let me switch gears sure. a little bit. Uh, with you, the teacher, as part of this civics, I'm really big on culture, you know, team culture, uh, our culture here at the Youth Center, I feel, is, is second to none. Uh, we do a lot of work in building a culture. How would you describe your culture as a teacher, your classroom, obviously the civics piece of it? So I kind of, um, you know, what I kind of posed to the kids at the beginning of the year is I kind of really talked it up and said, you know, you're going to be kind of trailblazers because we've never done this before. Civics has never been taught in this school. And I want you to think of it like that and got a lot of buy-in. And then I, to be honest with you, played the Harvard card a little bit, got some, you know, Harvard plaques and, you know, and uh, did a few things uh, and kind of played up the Harvard thing and said, you know, you're, you're Harvard students at the Merrimack Valley satellite uh, campus. Right. And so, you know, they kind of were like buying into that a little bit. And so I think they've bought in completely. But the other thing that I believe in passionately is about recognizing them. So once a month at all of these speaker series, we do something called the 8B Civics Agent Award, where I recognize um, two kids in each class, so 10 kids a month. And I, the award is very, very specific. And, um, you know, I have a breakfast for them and, you know, and we have donuts and things like that. And uh, just to see the kids who've won the awards, it's not your tradition. Like end of the year, eighth grade, you know, we recognize kids, which is sure. lovely and it's wonderful. But you could probably predict who's going to get the awards. These kids that, you know, get the awards, you know, there might be teachers in other classes that are like, that kid got an award? So... Mm -hmm. I'm really trying to recognize that. And the other thing that I'm really trying to do with our culture and our community is protecting them and saying, look, you do not have to share anything that you don't want to share. But with that, I've seen a lot of growth. I've seen kids really come out of their shell and be very, very articulate about things to the point where, um, you know, they're going up to speakers and shaking hands. Yeah. And the other thing that I really want to do in terms of the community is, and I believe, and you and I have had these conversations before, North Andover is changing as a community. We're getting much more diverse, which I think is a great thing. Sure. Um, to be honest, it's not really reflected in the staff, uh, in my opinion. So I'm trying to bring in speakers that represent a wide variety of the diversity of the, of, of the community. And I will tell you that one of the Harvard Law students was from Korea, and one of my most timid, quiet girls literally ran up to her after the speech. And, and, I, and I, so I went over afterwards and I said, you know, what, what's going on? And she goes, Mr. McGravy, she's like, that's the first Asian person that's ever talked to me in class before. Wow. And I was like, whoa. And, you know, and now I'm also thinking that I have a connection to um, the mayor of Lawrence. And I'm going to ho hopefully have an opportunity for him to come in. What an amazing message to my Hispanic young men and my Hispanic young women, all my kids, 
to see, you know, you know what I mean? Like, and know that civics and even having three of the representatives be females, you understand? So, so that to me has been such a huge bonus and I'm encouraging it and I'm trying to get more diversity in the speakers. I, mean, I love it because our community, and you've heard me say it a lot, yep. I love the fact that it's a changing community from when I started I here too. in 1988. I and uh, I do think that we've got to have people, more people working with our kids that look like our kids Correct. a little bit more. Um, your story is not unique. I mean, we had, um, we had a group of kids, kind of a challenging group of eighth graders last year. Um, it's a Hispanic and African-American mm -hmm. group of kids kind of hung out together. We loved them here. They were, we think they were great kids and they're actually very respectful for here. But one day we had an intern from Merrimack College who yeah. was an African-American football player uh, who had to do X amount of hours as part of his service project with Merrimack. He came here. Well, it was like LeBron James, you know, forget <laughs> Rick Gorman, forget the rest yeah. of the people here. And one of the girls actually said to me, and I think she felt she was hurting my feelings, but she said, I just want to be honest, it was awesome to see someone who looks like me and uh, who kind of has come from my, he, he came from actually a tough part of New Jersey. Um, and she was someone that had been transplanted here from, uh, from coming from Lawrence. And it was just a great day uh, around here at the youth center. And I think we as a community need to continue to look at that. And I agree. I'm not saying, you know, we turn around and hire all no, different people, no, but, but I think we have to include things and having some of your guest speakers and having people involved up here at the youth center. I think it's a great thing because we are, we should be embracing this change in community. And I, I think it's great. We could talk for hours. Mm -hmm. we're, we're already about 35 wow. minutes, but I do have a few questions sure. I want to kind of just quickly go to you. Let me ask you something. You've been around since, and I didn't realize how long you'd been here. Yeah. And when I was talking about the very unfortunate situation we had in the late 90s when we lost two seventh graders. Yeah, that was my to, first year teaching. Your first year teaching mm -hmm. two seventh graders to suicide. Um, so you've been here. You've got a pretty good picture here of the last 20 plus years here. Tell me, do you believe middle school kids have changed? Uh, if they haven't changed, um, or if they have changed, how have they changed since you first started teaching here? Um, I hate the line when people say the kids today. I don't necessarily kid think kids have changed drastically. I think there's lots of reasons the world's a little bit different than yeah. it is right now. But what's it like teaching middle school students in 2020 compared to when you first started? So I, I, I hate. The this generation thing as well. Sure. I I don't see the kids as different. It's still it's still a job. It, it it is a joy to work with the kids. I mean, you know, you know, twenty plus years in, I'm getting there early. I'm staying late. I I, I just love it, and and I think the kids are amazing, and I think the kids are amazing. Um. Some differences, obviously, we, we talk a little bit about, you know, the demographics. I can see a demographic change. The, the one thing I, I guess that is also socioeconomic is um, in growing up in North Andover, I have even more of a knowledge base, is, you know, seeing just like two extremes of, of kids who live in these beautiful homes out country and then kids who don't have as much. And, you know, you, you talk about the shrinking middle class and, you know, I was a middle class kid. And there's not a lot of us left anymore. So it's kind of like you, 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 have these, you have these two extremes. But in terms of getting back to the kids, I really don't see them. I, I think eighth grade to me, you know, and, and I always do a, a little test of whether or not I, I want to socialize with someone on a first impression. When I tell a person I teach eighth grade, 
if they roll their eyes and go, oh my God, you know, it's kind of like I'm done with them because I'm like, you know, I don't understand why, why eighth grade middle school gets such this bad rap, but you know, they're such a great group of kids. It's such an awesome point in their life. I know it's a challenging point, but they're not little children. They're independent, but I've taught high school before. They're not quite as cynical as high schoolers. So you have the middle, I mean, middle school, obviously. So it's, they still get excited about games and they still get excited about breakfast. But then on the other hand, they're not poking each other and, you know, and, and things like that. So sure. I really, I, I really, other than the two things that I mentioned, I, I think kids are kids and I really don't see a change with the generation. I mean, you're so passionate. Um, and I, I guess I got to try to remember when I first knew you as a teacher here. I mean, your passion is growing and this is one of my big things is, we always say here, too much passion is not enough passion. <laughs> uh, but the reality here is we got to keep evolving. Uh, you know, my opinion is you, you never stop learning. You got to keep growing, that type of thing. But now that you're at the age that you are right now, yep. raising kids that yep. uh, are heading to the middle school shortly, um, what would you say to your 23-year-old self when you started working at the, at the middle school? What would you say now with all the knowledge and experience? What would you say to that new teacher, that new Pat McGravy 20 years ago? So that's a great question. So I would say to them, be respectful and take advice from your older colleagues don't immediately, you know, not go and I mean, take, listen to them, see what they have to offer, but take your own journey too. take your own journey too. And I can remember, you know, when I started teaching, um, you know, I, I kind of wanted to, I wanted to please all my colleagues and, and it's important to please your colleagues. It's totally important to do that. But I think you also have to think about the kids in your class. Those are, and I guess that's what I'd say. That's what I'd say to my 20 something year old self. The kids are the most important part of the job. Every single decision you make has to be about the kids. And I didn't have the confidence that I have now. And if I had had that confidence, then I would have disagreed more. I would have spoken out more. I would have stood up for myself more. And I think I could probably, I probably need to do that a little bit more for myself now. But I can remember in my first couple of years teaching, I, I don't know, I was doing something cuckoo crazy. Like, you know, the kids were all loving it. And I remember, you know, a specific teacher who was a veteran who will remain nameless kind of took me off to the side and ha- said, you know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Why are you reinventing the wheel? And I have to admit, I dialed it down. I should not have dialed it down. Keep doing what you want to do. Be mindful of your colleagues and be respectful and listen to them and take their advice. But take your own, make your own journey. And and you know what? There are going to be people out there that are going to doubt what you're doing, but you have to consistently think of the kids. Are people going to roll their eyes at you and maybe, you know, possibly not be, uh, you know, I don't even know what the term is. You know what? It doesn't make a difference. If it works, it works. And I think that's what I would have told myself. I, you know, have, have more guts, speak up for yourself more while at the same time walking the line of being respectful of the knowledge. Cause there is a lot of knowledge. There are so many veteran teachers that are amazing. Sure. And I don't want to put them all in the same category, but what I do want to say is 
you know, in any job that you have, there are going to be people, naysayers, whatever you want to call. And for me, I was worrying about all the naysayers when I should have just been worrying about the kids. So that's the advice I'd give myself. Absolutely. Got one more question, and then we're going to give you the final word. Um, I wasn't interested when I talked to people. I want to know a little bit about who, who are the big people in their life. Who, who are your mentors? Oh, boy. So this is kind of emotional for me because uh, the mentors that I had, my first mentor was a fifth grade teacher that I had at Kittredge, Kevin McCarthy. Oh, who I remember I, Kevin. Yeah. And, and Kevin was, became my colleague in middle school. And um, I had a horrible, I had a few learning uh, issues, a few uh, learning difficulties um, with my fine motor controls. And I, I, I just had, a, I, and I had a lovely first grade teacher, but second through fourth grade was just horrible for me. Fifth grade was a huge year for me. And I had Kevin and he just got me so into school. He played games, he cracked jokes. Um, I was like, you got to be kidding me. I didn't know teachers could be like this. And then he became my, he became my colleague. Right. And what was very moving for me is I got to spearhead and nominate and get him into the Teachers Hall of Fame. So I was, there, I was there with him when he got into the Teachers Hall of Fame with his family. So that to me was amazing. When I was in high school, I had a high school teacher, uh, uh, Leo McHugh at Central Catholic, and he got me into government and he made me realize that politics is addictive. He showed me a 1960 documentary on the Kennedy Nixon and I was sold. I was sold. I was like, I didn't know it could be like this. And then I would say for college, um, my junior year abroad, um, I was at the University of Lancaster in England and I had a professor in uh, World War One history. His name was Professor John Gooch. And um, clearly the expectations of British professors to American professors, you know, he gave me F's on papers. He said my writing was abysmal. I can't even tell you what he said to me in some of the things. But, you know, we ended up having a really good relationship. I went to his house for dinner. You know, it was things like that. So I would say like those three people, I, I, I just always, always think of. That's awesome. The reason I asked that question to many of my guests is uh, I also think his life is short and I'm sure you've already done this, but it's uh, it's all good to reach out to some of our former mentors and, and tell them we appreciate them. Yes. Uh, I, I do it once a year that's in great. August. I, I write a letter to I someone that's been uh, very important to me over the years, been doing it now since 2004. and. Wow. Uh, it's a chance to actually say thank you um, because I sometimes we get to the point where we go to a funeral to try to say thank you yeah. and it's too late. So um, good, good, good mentors you had there. Very good. Let me give you the final word here. Again, we could talk forever here. Um, we like to give our guests a final word is, and it would be your message to whoever. It could be to your, to our parents in North Denver, to our administrators, to maybe your peers that are a little nervous about embarking on the new civics uh, discipline in, in 2020. Um, but what would you like to want people to know about you personally in the civics program that you're running? So I, I, I think what I want the public to know is this is going to be a huge investment that is going to pay off big time. Because if we have engaged eighth graders, we will have engaged citizens. And I believe, you know, the, the community tends to stay in North Andover. And I really, really feel strongly that um, it's going it's to continue. 
parents, if I you know, do have one of your kids uh, or in the future, talk to them about what they learn. Give them an opportunity. Look at their identity project. Talk about what they're doing. I think, I think that's huge. I think that's absolutely huge. Reaching out to the community also. I also want to say that I, I'm always looking for new speakers. So if you know any speakers that would love to come in and talk to kids, we'll have them come for 15 minutes, an hour, a day, whatever they need to do. Um, you know, obviously it doesn't necessarily have to be a politician. It could be anyone. I always, it's, it's all about word of mouth. That's how I've gotten a lot of my speakers. The community itself, I would also say the businesses, and I probably have to do a little bit better of reaching out to some of the businessmen and women in North Andover. They've been very supportive. Um, Stachy's has supported, um, us with some pizzas for the speakers, Butcher Boy Marketplace has been so wonderful. Um, and so I'm reaching out. Dunkin' Donuts at Quick Pick, uh, they sponsor the breakfasts. So these are, are, are things that I would love to do. Um, in, in terms of, of colleagues uh, and in terms of people either in North Andover or outside of North Andover, um, this is a new way of teaching. And I, I know there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of hesitation and change. And I can fully understand but I really think the message is just try it. Give it a college try. Give it a shot. And I think what will sell it to people is if they see the engagement of the kids. If you don't have kids falling asleep in your class, if you don't have kids misbehaving, you don't have kids asking to go to the bathroom, you know, you don't have these things that I'm not saying it's a perfect class, but. It, there is a direct connection between engagement and behavior and um, you know just give it an opportunity and, and give it a shot and to my students that are currently in the in the program um, you know don't just give up civics in eighth grade this is something that that I, I think I'd like to stay with you and um, hopefully you know it, you know this Caitlin Parks who's coming back I mean I, I hope I can have 20 Caitlin Parks who's coming back um, because I think it's very, very meaningful when kids see former NAMS people who walk the halls of NAMS coming back. So I, I think that is the message. And, you know, and as I said, the administration and central office, youth services, uh, the, the board of selectmen, they, they're, they are all in. They are all in. I, I, I mean, I went to go visit the town manager yesterday just to kind of update her. And I was a little hesitant because she's got that very formal office with an administrative assistant. And she literally waved me in and we had a conversation about the civics program. I mean, I, I can't imagine doing that my first year, walking into the town managers and saying, you know, so it, it, it's been great. So I, I think, uh, I think, Everything's in place, and I, I think it's a it's an amazing start, and I just I can't wait to see where it goes. Well, you know, first of all, I'm, I'm blown away with your passion. Um, I'm glad I was asked to be one of the speakers. Um, it was huge for me to kind of show kids that the youth center wasn't always here, that it was something that the kids worked to making, and their attention, their questions. I mean, they, they grilled me at one they, point they really, on really different did. things, and I loved it. And uh, 
feedback I've gotten, you know, kids have walked in saying like, I really liked you, what you talked about, and I've heard from parents. So it's working. You need to keep doing this. Thank you need you. to keep growing it. Uh, you're you're a passionate educator, Pat, and I and I love what you do, and you need to continue to do that. So thank you for coming on. Thank you on for letting me come, Rick. Podcast. This has been so much fun. Awesome. Uh, folks, we will have this up uh, probably by tonight at obviously all of our usual uh, podcast sites, as well as our own YouTube channel here at the View Center. Uh, we do have a couple of coming up in the next two weeks before Christmas. We have, uh, we're doing a little different next week. We have uh, Jackson Burbrick and Jack Morin coming in to talk about the amazing Super 8 baseball run last spring where they ended up winning the state champion, Super 8 state championship. So they're going to talk about what that experience was like. And then right before Christmas, we have old friend Anthony Sideri to come back, and we're going to talk about addiction again. We're going to talk from a different perspective, too. We're going to be talking about our community a little bit more with addiction and things that we're doing together and things we're hoping to do together, too. And obviously, Anthony's a business owner in town and cares a lot about this community. So uh, love Anthony, and he'll be back on it. So those will be our upcoming ones. And as we say all the time, if you have someone that uh, would like to either come on the podcast or a topic you would like us to talk about please get in touch with me here at the youth center we'll make sure that happens uh, so we hope everybody has a great weekend and we finish every podcast by saying too much passion is never enough passion